Want to make your Christmas a little more merry? We're giving away a second generation iPod Nano this month. Email us with a picture or two of your favorite place to camp and a one paragraph description of why we should visit it and include it on an American RVer segment. Go to www.americanrveer.com for more details. Contest ends December 25th. Welcome to American RVer. We have a great show for you this month. First, we take you to Pennsylvania Dutch Country, around Lancaster, PA, and speak with Kara O'Donnell, Media Relations Manager for the Convention and Visitors Bureau. Next, we travel to Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and get our chocolate fix at the Wilbur Chocolate Factory. Peg talks with Louise Brown, Store Manager for Wilbur Chocolate. Finally, we bring you part two of the installation of our mobile awareness tire monitoring system. Stay with us for an interesting American RVer. On this edition of American RVer, we're here in beautiful Pennsylvania Dutch country. Now, if you're not sure where that is, find Philadelphia on your map and head west to Lancaster. Lancaster County is home to many Amish families and also receives over 8 million visitors every year. To find out why, we'll visit with Kara O'Donnell. She is the Media Relations Manager for the Pennsylvania Dutch Convention and Visitors Bureau. Kara, welcome to American RV Year. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Now, what's the biggest draw to Lancaster County or Pennsylvania Dutch country? Well, probably, of course, what we're most famous for is in our Amish population. Mm -hmm. um, we have about 25,000 old order Amish who still live and work in, in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania Dutch country, and um, they're the folks that you know you see out traveling in horse and buggies and plowing the fields using the big teams of horses and mules instead of using modern day tractors. Now are they the ones that provide most of the produce and products for the farmers markets that we have in the area? I wouldn't say most but a large percentage. Um, about half of the Amish still farm every day and they have a variety of farming industries, everything from livestock to dairy to the produce crops. Mm -hmm. What else in Lancaster County? I mean, I, the Amish, obviously, they're well known for their handcraft, their woodworking, their quilts, all mm -hmm. of that. But certainly that's not the only reason people come here. Oh, not at all. In fact, people are often very surprised at the variety of things to do here in Lancaster County. Um, we have amazing art and theater. Downtown Lancaster um, has some great art galleries and, you know, funky little spaces. Mm -hmm. Amazing theater, everything from dinner theater performances to big musical reviews to Broadway caliber and style entertainment. I read a little bit about uh, an underground railroad reenactment that you do in the area. Um, there is a downtown church that was actually a station on the underground railroad and now they do living history presentations kind of telling the story of some of the former slaves who mm -hmm. made their way into mm -hmm. Lancaster County along the Underground Railroad. It was actually a very big hotbed of activity at that wow. time. Okay. I also um, looked on the map and it looked like there were all these covered bridges around mm -hmm. here. So tell me about those covered bridges. It, they're so nostalgic. <laughs> they're fantastic. We have 29 covered bridges that are still drivable. Mm. And they're all very historic, date back to the 1800s, a few early 1900s. And they're just, there's something just really cool about those covered bridges. You can walk through and the architecture of them with the big beams. Mm -hmm. And it's just in these very quiet country settings. Right. It's really neat. 
So it's a haven. Absolutely. And didn't they used to call them kissing bridges? They or did something actually. Like that? And the legend <laughs> says is that folks, you, you know, couples who would walk through the bridges, you know, they're covered up so they could steal a kiss in those bridges. <laughs> so that's where the name kissing bridges comes right. from. Right. Now, what about chocolate? Oh my goodness. I mean, we're not that far from Hershey, but Hershey, no, Pennsylvania. No, we're not. We're only about a half an hour from Hershey. Mm -hmm. There are very friendly neighbors just to the <laughs> west of us um, and keep us well supplied with uh -huh. chocolate in the but area. But you have your own local we, chocolate we factory. We do. It's called the Wilbur Chocolate Company, mm -hmm. and it's up in the village of Lidditz, which if you haven't been there yet, I highly recommend. It's mm -hmm. a very quaint Norman Rockwell-esque right. little village. Um, and those Wilbur Buds, which are kind of their answer to Hershey Kisses, uh -huh. they're they're amazing. I can't keep them on Is my desk. Is it milk desk. chocolate or dark chocolate? Both. They make them oh, in both. Okay. So mm -hmm. you can have healthy dark chocolate while you're in Linnets. Absolutely. Yeah. And not feel guilty about it at all. No, not at all. <laughs> now, is there also uh, wineries or wine country around here, we too? We do. We have um, about four wineries that have tasting rooms open to the public. Um, and they're wonderful. They're everything from, you know, long sweeping lawns where you can just kind of sit out and have a little picnic lunch or some of the wineries overlook the Susquehanna River and so you can enjoy your wine that way. They all have their real unique personalities. Are most of these places open year-round? Mm -hmm. Just about everything is open year-round. In the value season, which is kind of January to March area, some places do have limited hours. But if you call ahead and make your plans, you can still see everything you want to see when you come. I was surprised when we came to uh, camp here the weekends were booked Absolutely. at many of the campgrounds that we um, tried. We're getting into a very busy time of year with the holiday season. Um, we're very popular for that holiday shopping list because, of mm -hmm. course, in Pennsylvania, there's no sales tax on clothing. So, and we have more than 200 designer outlet <laughs> stores um, just down the road here. Good. So, a lot of folks come in to not only get those deals, but also shop for things like the Amish quilts that you mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. and some of the woodwork, furniture, handicrafts, that kind of thing. We also have a lot of antiquing going ah. on. Um, the village of Adamstown in the northern part of Lancaster County is called the Antiques Capital, and it has more than 3,000 antiques dealers. Oh, in that's there. a little overwhelming. So <laughs> it is actually. If, if you've never experienced it, you really just kind of have to step back, take a breath, and then dive right, right in. Makes me think I ought to clean out my closets and bring some things up here. Maybe I can get rid of there some stuff. There you go. There you go. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for being with us today, Kara. Our viewers, listen up. Have you been wanting a new TV satellite system or that new Motosat internet uplink equipment? Cordell Sales and Service, based in Charlotte, North Carolina, is the premier satellite systems installer and repair center for the Southeast. Our mobile technicians do make house calls and will repair or install on site. Call Cordell at 704-264-9486 or email mohotogo at cs.com. Connecting customers to satellites since 1995 with sales, parts, and service. No visit to Pennsylvania Dutch country would be complete without a visit to Lidditz, and while in Lidditz, the Wilbur Chocolate Factory. So that's where we've come today. And with me is Louise Brown. She's the manager of the store and the mail order division for Wilbur Chocolates. And we're going to talk a little bit about the store and the museum. Actually, it's a free museum, so it definitely is a place you need to come to. Thanks for being here, Louise. Thank you for coming. Okay, let's, I know we're going out of order, but let's just talk about what's behind us here, because we've got some ladies in the kitchen, obviously, making chocolates. Yes, they are, and it is still a little early. Not everyone is in. We only open at 10 a.m., but they are in the process of making all of our hand-dipped and hand-molded items. We have recently expanded the kitchen and added um, new jobs and new products, so it's very difficult to keep up with demand. It's Monday morning, and when I come in at 8, 
I take two hours surveying what needs to be replaced because what was sold over the weekend. Uh -huh. So they will be very busy this morning doing their jobs, molding and dipping. And these are the items that are sold in the store. Yes, one of the most popular items you may have heard of are the peanut butter meltaways, which are handmade. Mm. Our uh, chocolate-covered marshmallow. We even handmake our own marshmallows. <laughs> oh my goodness! Our almond bar. You name it, we chocolate cover it. <laughs> that is one of our They're new waving employees. To us back. Uh, that's <laughs> Kathy Blankenbiller, who is very enthusiastic, and Jason Spatola is the manager, of, the supervisor uh -huh. of the kitchen, if you will. But yes, uh, the kitchen is hugely, hugely popular. Yeah. Now we're actually right in the factory. Yes. And if you hear a little yes. bit of noise, some pounding noise, I guess they're making chocolate drops. Right now, yes, they are. And it's almost a 24-7 process. Uh, the, the noise is real. Some customers come in and want to know if the uh, noise is a tape recorder that we're just piping it in <laughs> for the ambiance. But no, it is real. We are actually in the factory. Now, this factory in Lidditz has been open since when? The factory is over 100 years old. It was started in 1884 oh, wow. by H.O. Wilbur. He started in Philadelphia and moved to Lidditz in 1834. And the museum itself has been the open museum, since 1971? Two. 1972. It was, mm -hmm. it was the brainchild of Penny Buzzard. She single-handedly collected every item in here. And oh, yeah. We have, like, chocolate molds and... And tell us about these. The chocolate pots are one of the most, I th I'd say the thing that they we're most proud of. They are a collection from England, France, uh, Bavaria. Uh, they really look like teapots. But they're chocolate pots. The difference between a chocolate pot and a teapot would be the spout. If you notice, you don't have the spout that curves down. Mm -hmm. Just a small spot. And typically, there's a hole in the lid that the straw would go in and you would drink the liquor right from right from straw. the pot. Yeah. Right oh, that's pot. really cool. Tell me about Wilbur Buds. I guess they're the answer to Hershey's chocolate. Uh, well, I don't know if Whatever they're... those are called, we don't even know what those are. <laughs> <laughs> the, her, the Wilbur Bud was introduced by H.O. Wilbur in 1894. Hmm. And he took a special formula of depositing a solid piece of chocolate and it resembled a flower bud, and thus it got the name Wilbur Bud. In early years, they were wrapped, but uh, the decision was made many, many years ago to have them unwrapped. Now, the Wilbur Chocolate Company, um, you were telling me earlier, is really more than just Wilbur Buds and this little kitchen right here. Absolutely. It's really a huge company. Tell me about that. We're a wholly owned subsidiary of Cargill, Inc., uh, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. They acquired us in 1992, and they are a global company. Mm -hmm. But Wilbur Chocolate, what we do for a living, is not this store. Wilbur Chocolate is an industrial ingredient supplier to the rest of the industry. Hmm. It produces out of Lidditz, Mount Joy, and our Ontario plant in Canada over 220 million pounds of chocolate a year. Wow. It has become one of the largest industrial ingredient suppliers in North America. So if I go into a grocery store and I buy something that has chocolate in it, you more than likely would be eating our chocolate. How about so yeah. ice cream? Ice maybe. cream. We have an innovative product line that serves the bakery, the food manufacturing, the confectionery, and the dairy products, so industry. So whatever you're picking up in a confection in the grocery store, you're more than likely eating our chocolate. Wow, that's amazing. Now, also in this museum, you have a collection of advertisements. Mm -hmm. You have 
some tins, I guess? That when Penny started and the word got out within the industry, um, it's a wonderful sort of uh, close-knit industry, hmm. people started giving her tins from other companies. So it's a collection of advertising slogans, um, molds, metal molds, and we even have book molds, which are the Plaster Paris book molds. Oh, really? Um, and I say tins, from all the mm -hmm. other companies throughout the industry. So it is a huge collection. How many people do you think come to this store? We don't really have a good uh, feel for it because I don't have any tracking information. I think someday I'm going to stand at the door and use a ticker <laughs> But we get huge amount. We get bus loads. Uh, we have buses booked throughout all of next year. Uh, the holidays are very, very, very busy. So um, we estimate close to close to over uh, 500,000 a year coming through wow, the store. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. And this is not that big of a store, and Lidus is not that big of a no, town. No, it's not. <laughs> it's a, it's a well-hidden jewel is what we like to right. say. This is a wonderful yeah. place with a lot of wonderful little attractions. Well, I'm glad we found it. Uh, thank you. Thank I'm glad you. to have you. Thanks for being here. Louise, we'll be right back. We build fun products for uh, great, great people. Great new ideas, great new ways of doing things. If you buy a Monaco product, no matter which one of our brands it is, I guarantee you, you'll be taken good care of because that's the assurance that all of our owners have. On the last American RVer, we gave a brief overview of the mobile awareness tire monitoring system. This month, we install the system on our coach. So we're going to take all these components from Mobile Awareness, and we're going to install them on our RV, and we're going to show you the different components, where they go, um, how they interface with each other, and then uh, we're going to evaluate the whole system and see how the whole thing works. And I'm sure that uh, it'll be a very interesting system, and like I say, it's new to the market, so it has some very nice features for it that we'll discuss as we go along. So come on, let's go over to the RV, and we'll start the installation process. Now we're inside the coach, we're up by the dash, and the first thing you're going to have to do is figure out where you're going to place the LCD unit that gives you the readout on your tire pressure and your tire temperature. Now, um, Mobile Awareness gives you the unit, of course, which is the LCD readout here. It also gives you a, a stand in case you do not want to put it on your dash itself. You can put this little stand and mount, mount it to the top of the dash and then you can use the um, two-sided tape that they give you and stick it to the, the base unit or in my case what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to take this unit and stick it to the dash itself. There's a little area here above uh, some of my gauges and I thought this is a perfect spot to mount it. I've run the wire inside behind this panel. I have, haven't even cut the panel out. I've just loosened the panel, ran the wire through, and then I will run it inside the dash. Um, that wire that uh, comes off of this LCD unit will then attach to this receiver. And this uh, receiver has two spots, as you can see, on it for antennas. Um, one is for the interior antenna, which is a little snub-nosed antenna, which is this unit right here. 
that's going to hook to one of these inputs. The other input is for the external antenna if you decide to use it. Um, that is an option, but uh, it's probably going to be something you want to put on if you're going to have a towed vehicle. I believe I was told that this little unit, the little antenna, will actually sense all of the sensors, all the transmitters on the coach itself. So we're going to see, we're going to test it out and find out what works and what doesn't. But uh, let me get to the installation of this. We're going to install the receiver as well, and you want the receiver in an area that uh, as far back as you possibly can get it, so it'll help pick up the transmitters on the back uh, wheels, but um, you can mount it pretty much anywhere, and you of course have to power this unit. In order to power the unit, they give you a power cable, plugs into the receiver, and then you have to attach it to a power source, and we're going to find that out behind the dash, of course, and we're going to hook all that up, and we'll go to the next step right after that. So now we're done inside, and uh, after determining where we put the digital monitor, and we're outside now to the first tire, and there are, there's a certain sequence to where you have to put the little transmitters, and therefore, they're in the back of the manual, there are several different layouts for the way these transmitters go on the tires. And in our case, since we have six tires on the coach and then four tires behind the coach being pulled, um, we're going to use the correct setup, which is called four axles, ten wheels. And so we're going to take the first monitor, um, which is a, actually a transmitter, and this unit um, we're going to screw onto the stem, and we particularly have, we have the uh, metal stems on our wheels. So we're going to take off the cap. The instructions say to make sure you clean the valve stem before you put the transmitter on, and it is a little bit dirty, so you want to do that. Then you're going to take and you're just going to screw this on. It's very simple. and it's going to screw all the way in really tight and then you'll notice that the air will stop leaking <laughs> and your sensor will be on and ready and believe it or not it's as easy as that now if you want to put air in your tire after you have your sensor installed you can just unscrew the end and put your chuck onto the end of the sensor and it will pass through the air just like it wasn't there. So it's a, it's a great idea and like I say, you do not have to remove these sensors in order to put air in your tire. Now you'll notice that it does stick out a little bit, but if you'll notice the rest of the tire is actually a little bit farther out um, on our front drive tire, our front, I'm, I'm sorry, steering tire. So there's really very little chance that this sensor will hit anything like a curb if you pull up too close to your curb. Um, so that's a good thing. The other thing is that I inquired about is the fact that you're adding some weight to the tire. Is this going to throw off the balance? Um, well, I was told that it will not throw off the balance because it weighs so little and the tires are so big that uh, you'll still be in balance and if you weren't in balance it's just a matter of adding a little bit of weight to the opposite side of the wheel but um, I was assured that this should not affect your tire balance so we got the first one on we're gonna go around to all the different tires and uh, put the sensors on we're gonna go to the back tire next and that's a little bit different setup so we're gonna show you that next
We've now moved to the rear passenger side dual. The outer dual is number two, the inner dual is number three as far as the transmitters go. And normally, <clears throat> Most of the tires nowadays have these extenders on them, which you can see on our tires. If you do not have the tire extenders, um, Mobile Awareness does give you these extenders. And they have uh, two for the rear, for e each rear dual. So in our case, we don't have to replace the ones that we have already. But as I said, kind of a unique thing that they do give you these. And if you don't have them on your tires already, you'll be able to put them on with this. And then they also give you mounting brackets to mount them to your wheels so that they won't move around. Ours are already mounted, so all we're going to do is take the next sensor, which is sensor number two, and we're going to just, again, screw it on to the end of the valve cap. We're going to do that with number three, which is the inner dual. And then we're going to go back to the other side of the the uh, driver's side dual and do those for number um, four and five and then back to the front for number six and then we're going to work on the towed vehicle in the back and that takes the rest of the transmitters back there. We've got the entire system installed, uh, the tire pressure monitoring system and uh, we are now going to test it out. We do have sensors or transmitters if you will on all six of the tires on the coach then we've got the four tires on the car covered with the transmitters as well. So we have a total of 10 transmitters. And we're going to turn this on. We have it all wired in. We have um, the constant battery power. We've got the ignition uh, key switch ignition uh, power on, on the unit as well. We've got the unit stuck inside the dash. There's a, an opening here in the dash, and I've actually stuck that in with the small antenna. We've run the large antenna, the external antenna, down along the frame rail, and it's probably about a third of the way back on the coach now. So we're hoping that that will also improve our reception with all of the units, all the transmitters on the coach, as well as the towed vehicle. So let's turn this on and see what happens and see what kind of readings we get. Okay, we've got a red light. It's going through now and sensing all the different tire pressure. And it's going through the car and its tires and sensing that pressure. And now we have a red light. And apparently we have a low tire, uh, low tire pressure on one of the tires on the coach. And it looks like it's the rear passenger outside dual that's low. And it's saying to me now that it's 40 seven pounds and it should be approximately 105 pounds now when we put the sensors on we lost some air and uh, one of the sensors I had a little more difficult time putting on and I believe it was with this particular tire so this is the reading we're getting and it's saying now because it's in the red normally you'd have a green light here if all the tires were correct in the correct pressure and the correct temperature the system took approximately one and a half to two hours to put together. Of course, we did it in segments. Um, it was pretty easy. As a matter of fact, it was so easy a caveman can do it. Now, and I don't want to hear any emails from any of you cavemen out there, but <laughs> so, but it was really easy to uh, put together. It was easy to put the transmitters on all the stems. Um, and I think that this is a very good system. And one of the things I really like about this system compared to some of the other ones is you can actually see the temperature of the tires as well as the pressure. And that's something that's pretty unique to this system. And of course, if the temp temperature starts rising and you get an alert about the temperature rising, 
you know that you've got a problem, as well as with the pressure. So I think it's a great system. I hope you'll check it out. Uh, it's mobile awareness. And on the screen, you'll see the uh, phone number to call. You'll see the email address. And I hope you check it out and uh, give them a call and talk to them more about it. They're very into safety. And uh, I hope you'll uh, check them out. And uh, we'll see you next time on American RVer. All your satellite, internet, and TV needs, contact Cordell Satellite Sales and Service at 704-264-9486.